Welcome to Bound by Books. I'm one of your hosts, Sherry Hayes, and I'm joined today by Miriam Maria. Hey, Sherry. How are you? How are you? I'm okay. How are I'm you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's been a busy, busy day, but I'm good. Yeah. You finished <laughs> all your leftovers from Thanksgiving last week? We did. We did. Yeah. yeah it was, we, just uh, polished, we just polished off the last of ours, too. Uh, it was kind of nice to have those leftovers because then you could I could have days where I didn't have to cook. I could just pull out all the leftovers and yes. put them on a plate and stick them in the microwave. And that was nice. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. That was very nice. But uh, alas, we're back to having to cook again. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know. Well, oh. my husband is on, my husband is away on a trip on a business trip. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't have to actually cook cook. You know, if I want to have cereal for dinner, I can. <laughs> you know, so. But anyway. Um, oh, yeah. So what are, what are we talking about today? Well, uh, we thought I thought we talked today about uh, something that you and I know quite a bit about, uh, and that's research. Um, when you have, when you have plots plots in your or careers or what have you in your in your book that you need to you want to do justice to and you actually you can't just make it up on the fly you need to do some research so we're going to talk all about our experience with research which mary and i marianne and i have quite a bit of experience with yeah in in (laughs) in different in different avenues though yes Yes. I, my research, uh, when it comes to my books, because as um, you may, the people who are listening or watching may, may or may not remember, I write all things paranormal. Mm-hmm. So, of course, my research has to do with um, the mythologies, the existing mythologies based on whatever, you know, paranormal entity I am courting at the moment. Um, <laughs> but it also has to do with the fact that I put a lot of history into my books. Yes, you do. So my research not only has to go and in, delve into the things that go bump in the night and the the the, the different stories that we've heard or you know tried and true mythologies, um, but also about if I'm if they're being set in a specific time frame or if there's a, a t- specific time frame that is being um, uh, discussed. I need to make sure that it's correct mm-hmm. because that's a pet peeve of mine. I hate when history is misrepresented, whether it's in mm-hmm. any medium, whether it's in books or on TV or in movies, it just, I will ruin a movie for me. If it's wrong, it will ruin a show for me if it's wrong. So I stopped watching. Especially if it's, especially if it's blatant, it. <laughs> especially if it's blatantly wrong, right. Right. you know, if it's just a little, you know, artistic license here or there, I can usually overlook it, but it's like, when it's something, it's just like, yeah, that wouldn't have happened. There's no way in in this world that would have happened then or, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's just, it's it just, yeah, it, it comes across as, you know, that they just really didn't do the research and it, it's, it does they, take you out of the story. Or they blatantly just didn't care. Yes, that's true. And see, um, and I write steamy contemporary romance and BDS bdsm erotic romance and so a lot of my uh my stuff takes place here which means i don't have to do the historical research and i also write humans so i don't have to do the paranormal aspect but i have researched 
uh, police officers and um, what all goes into uh, the job and, you know, legal and stuff. I even had to track down one time. I one of the premise for one of my stories or the setup for one of my stories uh, behind closed doors. She's one of my steamy contemporaries is that she she kills her husband in self-defense, her first husband, and moves to a small town. Well, one of my, I, I, as I'm writing, as I'm going into this book, I'm like, okay, well, he, her husband was wealthy. So he would have had life insurance. Would she have gotten that life insurance? Was she convicted or just accused? Well, no, it was, it was, it was self-defense. So she like, it wasn't, that wasn't in dispute. I mean, as far as that goes, but I was like, I, I was trying to find the research and that was one of the hardest research points I have ever had to deal with. Because nobody would answer it for me. I called insurance companies. I called agents. I was trying to find out, you know, if this would be possible. Nobody would answer it. I ended up having to call. <laughs> Could you imagine if they thought it was I know. we're trying to I know. pick their brains before you? That's exactly what it was. They didn't want to be liable if I was like, you know, trying to find out. So I get like, hmm, should I kill my husband? And I was like, no, I'm serious. I'm an author. I'm really just trying to do research for this book. So I ended up having to contact um, a lawyer and get a hold of a person who did like a state planning type um, type law and find out from them if they would in fact get the money. She would have in fact have gotten the money. Yes, she would have. As long as she wasn't convicted of a crime, she would if she was acquitted and if she was found not guilty because of self-defense then she would have she would have gotten the money so it but that took that is one of i will say that is one of the hardest research conundrums that i have encountered in all of my years of doing this um but i do you know so i end up having to do stuff like that i've researched what it's like to be um a firefighter um yeah it, it's uh, and of course my bdsm stuff i have a there's a couple that uh, I work with and run all my BDSM uh, stories by to make sure all of my all of my BDSM lifestyle elements are accurate and things like that. But that's all research. I mean, you have to research. I mean, the stuff that you get into with that. I mean, I had to research how to do knots and you know tie knots and you know when you know. Just all sorts of stuff. I mean, when to put spreader bars on versus when not. It's so it's a whole big thing. Huge difference about whether or not, you know, when the Archduke Ferdinand was assassinated. <laughs> exactly. So, but it's but it's both of its research. And I mean, I, I have done a little bit of the, you know, researching different things. Like I had to my cozy mystery series that I'm still writing. Um, you know, it, I've taken a hiatus for about I don't know, four, four months or so, five months or so since, um, mm -hmm. you know, since the summer, um, you know, for various reasons in my lifetime. I mean, if you're listening to this, I don't know if you know me um, and have heard that, you know, my dad passed away. So there's, there were some, some things going on where I just didn't have the emotional or the mental wherewithal to actually sit down and write, but I'm getting back mm -hmm. into it now. And one of the things with the cozy mysteries is I had to, um, research uh, state troopers, you know, and mm -hmm. the difference between them and like a local sheriff and who would have jurisdiction over what, 
you know, because I based my, my, uh, my, my, I have a small Island that's, that's off the, off the coast of Long Island, New York, uh, where, where I have, it's a, it's fictional obviously, but it's still part of New York state. So I, I needed to figure out whose jurisdiction mm-hmm. it would be under because, you know, there are different individual state police barracks, but those barracks are under a larger purview. And I needed to, to research that. And I actually called my local, my local state police. And I was just like, hi, I'm not a crazy, you know, I just, <laughs> I need to know this. I'm, a, I'm an author. And was, I mean, the, the, the head dude was really, really into helping me, you know, and it was on the phone. He didn't know me from a hole in the wall. So that was interesting, but you know, I also decided I was going to throw my my hat in the ring for um, to do historical uh, romance or historical fiction. I haven't quite decided yet because I'm still in the research. The books I have sitting on my shelf, you know, where my, my bookshelf that I've actually started took book one. They're the, it's it's like they're like six six books deep. And we're talking mm. chunky books, not like little pamphlets and everything. And they're all on different different women in history and you know the, their lives and, and lives and so forth. And um, one of them is Catherine de Medici. And I and it was funny because as I was doing this research, I'm like, wow, this is like the Serpent Queen. And it turns out that the book I'm reading is what the Serpent Queen on Netflix is based on now. So oh, it's wow. uh, yeah. so it's uh it, it it's nice to know but it, you know it's really hard when you're researching history especially somebody who is a, a, an actual historic figure is you have to you know if you're reading something and it's not like a dry or you know like biography you know of of this person mm-hmm. you know like a nonfiction you have to that's it you have and what's been fictionalized and what hasn't and because you don't want to take somebody's work that's been fictionalized you just want to you just want to kind of separate the wheat from the chaff of what's what's real and what's been fictionalized and that's that takes some time and lots and lots of notes you know yeah well that that kind of goes to the another aspect of research rather and because we've kind of been talking about researching uh, situational type things uh, in context to the story itself, but researching on genre to know what's acceptable. Um, Tina Moss, another co-host for the podcast, she has she spent two years. She's she's discussed before researching the sci-fi um, genre in order to before she started writing her alien romances. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, that's important in researching, you know, researching the genre itself, what's expected in the genre, researching covers and tropes and, Correct. you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's, I think it's, I still think it's kind of interesting because I still encounter a lot of people who are shocked by all of the back, the back end stuff that goes into being yep. an author. Yep. They- yeah. You were talking about, you know, that she had been taken two years. I remember Tina mm-hmm. telling me that she had read like 150 sci-fi yeah. romance books. And she and I have discussed in the past the difference between reading for pleasure and reading for research because, yeah. you know, it's, it's the way you can still get lost in someone's story if it's a good story. Mm-hmm. But you really need to pay attention to, like, um, like for for a romance, you know, when the hero and heroine actually come in, you know, they bump into each other, you know, they they come into contact mm-hmm. with each other. 
the romantic beats that you're supposed to to hit you know according to to what is needed for that specific genre yeah every every genre is different I mean that that's that's important because if you if you don't follow the acceptable norms you have to realize that you could have a you know a hit or a complete miss right like I've been reading historic romance and historic fiction my whole life it's one Mm -hmm. of my favorite genres to read and um especially things that take place like in the middle ages or in the renaissance and you know so forth or if it has a little bit of paranormal and they're even better like time travel like Mm -hmm. outlander it's my absolute one of my absolute favorite series um but especially the part that takes place well in the past you know the first book outlander was one of my favorite favorite books um so i think you know reading for all those years you would think i would be an expert but i was reading for pleasure you know, I never really paid attention to, okay, when did Claire and Jamie actually meet? You know, mm. when did their relationship start start moving towards, you know, being thrown together to be married because they had to, because of forced proximity, which is a trope, mm-hmm. to, you know, when they actually started to fall in love with each other. You know, so it's, it's right. a, and, and then all of the conflict that came in between. So it's, um, you know, de- deconstruction is, is a, is a word that is, you know, goes hand in hand when you are researching a genre, you know, it is, it's deconstructing that book. And we've talked about that before. So what, yeah. are, you, what are you currently researching now or are you? Um, well, I just finished a book, obviously just published it. Yay. So um, that one, I I did more, I concentrated more on um, some, my research was a little bit unconventional because I, I researched that one by watching uh, YouTube videos, uh, clips and stuff of the television show Flip or Flop. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Because my hero uh, is uh, into real estate. And part of that is um, he flips houses. Okay. Um, and so that was that was kind of, we. I wove that into the story as, you know, how he, uh, what he does and how he comes in contact with one of the villains of the story, um, which is the heroine's boss. Uh, so I had, but it, you know, again, I was watching, it is different from watching it for fun versus watching it for research because you, when you're watching it for fun, you're not really paying attention to timelines that much. And you're not really paying attention to, um, you know, the back and forth and how everything has to work together. And especially with, you know, they work on multiple projects, Mm-hmm. at one time mm-hmm. and you know so that was something because I wanted him to have we working on multiple projects because he's a he's a wealthy guy um so I had to, once I started watching when I was watching your funny don't pay attention to that but once you're starting watching it for research you're now watching and looking at that day one day 10 day 32 right you know you're, you're watching like oh well, we found this oh we found that and we now have to repipe the whole house and what's that going to involve and you know and dealing with HEAs and uh you know or not HEAs sorry yeah 
H- no, ATA. It's hormone is associated. Okay, okay. Well, H-O-A's. 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 I'm, see, I was, see, I knew I was wrong. I'm like, I know that's not right. It's close, but it's not right. An H-O-A to get to an H-E-A. Exactly. See all those little, me, these little abbreviations. But yeah, so, you know, paying attention to all that. How they deal with subs and things like that. Right, and when the design process, you know, happens. Because I know some of that stuff, from our, you know, from my husband and I's woodworking business and things that we deal with, but we don't deal a lot with remodeling. So that's a little bit outside of my wheelhouse. It's next to my wheelhouse, but not in my wheelhouse. So just looking at that, but it is different. The way you mm-hmm. approach it is different. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's the same way when you're looking at historical stuff, because, you know, it's well, his- history's always been my thing. Um, it was, it, it was not what I, um, I didn't major in it. I majored in journalism and I have a background in English literature, um, as well, but, and I, and I obviously have my master's in fine art. So have, getting a master's in fine art, even though I, I skewed more towards commercial art and graphic design and so forth to make money, I still had to study the fine arts and studying mm-hmm. the fine arts. You still had to study the history of art, which is, the Renaissance and the age of enlightenment and all of it. So I, you know, it just, I fell in love with it. And because I love to travel so much, traveling to places where I can just immerse myself in the history of a place is one of my favorite things to do. It's like, I be, it's like I become part of that history because I, I, I feel like I just kind of absorb it as much. Um, Mm. But you're right. It is, it's, it's different. Um, You're, you know, what you're, what you're researching is very hands-on and very um, meticulous in terms of like, you know, you have to make sure you get it right or the house is going to fall down, (laughs) you know, you know, well, Mm your fictional house and so forth. But, you know, it's funny because regardless of what you're, what we're researching, whether you're researching flip or flop for a character who happens to be a real estate agent who may flip houses or I'm researching Catherine de' Medici, there's always going to be a reader out there who knows this topic inside and out, and they are going yes. to call you out on it if you don't get it right. Or they're going to be like me when it comes to a TV show or a movie that either just blatantly Hollywoodizes something and just gets it wrong for the sake of ratings because they don't give a crap, um, or it's because they didn't do their research and they should get turned off by it. And then they off by your book and that's something you don't mm-hmm. want so no and there's and there's really no downside to doing the research I think that's that's an important note to make because once you know the proper research then you can you know the proper information then you can choose to totally ignore it if you want to but yeah. You can't and, and you know and go in a different direction or repurpose what you know and just you know whatever but if you don't do the research and you just wing it. Yeah, you... it's not right. You know, I mean, I have a, yeah. a in my book, Collateral Blood, um, my vampire Julian uh, was turned uh, during the Irish potato famine. And I researched Irish potato famine um, pretty diligently. And I made sure that I knew who Charles Trevelyan was who was considered the father of the Irish potato famine because he was so dismissive of the Irish people mm. and their plight and so forth, you know, in, in, in British parliament. So because he was such a jerk, 
I figured, well, you know, maybe he's also kind of a playboy. You know, if he's that much of a jerk, he's probably a jerk to his wife. So maybe he's got an illegitimate kid that he eventually acknowledges kind of, you know, half-heartedly acknowledges, but still treats him like he's the bastard stepchild, you know, that type of a thing. And that's how I created Julian is that Julian is yeah. Julian Trevelyan and he is the illegitimate son of Charles Trevelyan, mm-hmm. you know, and he has to deal with a lot of the atrocities his father, his father had, had, yeah. you know, sowed amongst the, you know, the Irish people. Um, and I took it to the nth degree. You know what I mean? I, I, I of did. Course. You know? So I fictionalized him and I fictionalized some of the things that were done, but they were all in the vein of this yes. terrible time in Irish history, you know, so it all, you know, so it all fit. So- but I see, I think that, I think that it really is another benefit to research is it gives you, it gives depth to your story and it give it can even, it spark inspiration for your story to go in a different direction or just plot points within the story you that you already imagine or have already created um diana gobbledon again she's the queen of this i mean she does all of this research and she takes you know she's able to work in historical figures into the plot points set up subplots that either involve them or have them on the peripheral so Mm -hmm. You know, she's involving all of this and she's actually using this to drive her story forward. Right. She's using real content, real things that have happened or do happen, depending on if you're writing historical or if you're writing contemporary, to drive the story forward. Perfect example, when I was writing um, Burning for Her Kiss, my hero in that is a captain in the St. Louis Fire Department and I contacted the St. Louis Fire Department and worked with one of their captains to make sure all the firefighting elements were correct and not just for firefighters but for the St. Louis you know department and every department's different right every department's different exactly so I was able to go like okay well I mean it was crazy their 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 schedule is nuts I had to have a calendar to tell me whether my character was working on a certain day or he was off on a certain day because they have a nine day rotation that they do. So in the nine day rotation, it it was crazy because I couldn't tell when, you know, I had to figure out, well, when is, when is he working and when is he not working? You know, if he's, if he's working, then he can't be going to the club and vice versa so but I was able to if he was working then I had to figure out okay he's working am I going to show him at work and if I am going to show him at work then what is going on and how do I use that to forward the plot so whether you're writing historical or you're writing contemporary you can utilize the situation that the characters find themselves in in order to make your story richer and move the plot forward and i think some authors are they don't want they don't think that that's they think it'll slow it down slow the story down if they do that but i can't tell you how many people i had come like message me after i wrote burning for her kiss 
and tell me that their husbands or their brothers or their dads were firefighters and what I wrote was accurate. It was, you know, that, that was what they, that was what they dealt with. That was true to life. And it really, to me, what author doesn't want to get a message like that? Of course. You know, it's worth doing a little bit of research to show some respect to whatever career or situation that your characters find themselves in. I think also this kind of lends itself because, you know, like for me doing research into historic figures, um, the historic figures that I'm, I'm researching, they're all dead. I mean, they're, they're part of their, their lives mm-hmm. are, are done. They're part of history and so forth. Um, and the, you're researching a fire a firehouse and the 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 rules and regulations that go along with that firehouse and their mm-hmm. hierarchy you're not you're not specifying an actual living breathing firefighter that's real you know your character is part of the firehouse but it's a fictional firehouse and it's um it's a fictional character you have mm-hmm. to you know which lends itself to the next question you know um being careful of libel you know if you're going to mm-hmm. use a character that's real and still living and breathing you know and what and and slander so you have to be very very careful with things like that which is part of the reason why i haven't watched the crown this year Mm. you know this season because even though diana princess diana is deceased the other people and the queen elizabeth is deceased the other people in the show are still living and breathing and 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 you know and they are, you know, they're still part of our world. Um, now, yes, they are public figures, so therefore they are quote unquote fair game. So, right. but I just have a feeling, you know, it just it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. And this is just a personal preference of mine. Yeah. When some when 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 it, you take something like that and you fictionalize it and you fictionalize it based around historic things, but you really do it in poor taste. And I think it's, I think this is being done in poor taste, but like I said, my own personal opinion. So um, it's, it's like ripped from the headlines type of a type of a, a, a lot of times with stories that people write about people who are still around, you know, when, when is it, when is it okay? When is it not okay? When does it become libel? When does it become slander? These are things that you also have to remember that if you're going to write about do research on character uh, on people that are still around this this is something you should probably run past an attorney before you go Mm -hmm. ahead and do it because your last thing you want to do is to be sued you know for something that would it happen who knows Mm -hmm. you know but i think it's important that you need to you need to think about that you know well yeah you need to know where the line is i mean that that's that's a very a very good point and um I will I will bring this up in relation. It's not authorish, but it was a situation that we ran into with our woodworking business where somebody wanted us to build something that was going to pay homage to a very popular um movie and or movie franchise, I should say. And when he initially came to us, it was okay. Well, I, I, you know, I, I want to, you know, I want to build this kind of a theme type table. Okay. 
you know, we might, you know, we should be able to help you with that. What do you, what do you want on it? You know, as long as we keep it, you know, we don't do trademark type stuff. And at first it was fine. But then once we started signing the paperwork and getting into the details of stuff, they were wanting to add all this very, very detailed trademark stuff. Yeah. And it was like, nope. And I, so the first thing I did was pick up the phone and call my lawyer and say, Hey, is this okay? Where is the line that we do? And my lawyer was like, I would advise you to walk away (laughs) because, and you need to know that that's, that's so all of that was to say, when in doubt, consult a lawyer because even if you have to pay for a consultation fee for a lawyer to find out where those legal lines are it will save you so much headache in the long run because you do not want to be drug into court you know years after because that copyright doesn't go away i mean they own the copyright for like 75 years for for things so you know you you could be so too sued 10 years down the line right and research also has to do with like, like people think about, okay, well, there's Jane Austen and there's mm-hmm. a lot, Emily Bronte and, you know, a lot of these, you know, well, how do how do they do things like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, you know, that type of a thing. It's because those books are in the public domain. And so that makes them easier to fictionalize and to, I guess, mm-hmm turn it into almost fan fiction type of a thing you know yeah 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 because it is it would does kind of fall under the category of fan fiction because it's exactly what it falls under is fan fiction although they don't call it that they call it like uh reimagining is what the what the catchphrase is these days but it it is it's fan fiction you're taking the basic premise the characters and you're spinning your yes, own version right. of the story or an alternate yeah. universe like right. pride prejudice and zombies yeah it's perfect example of that yep. so yeah you can My do a lot with it yeah you know so it's, it, I, I fictionalized you know a lot of the a lot of the storyline that was done mm-hmm. for uh you know the legend of sleepy hollow you know because that's yeah. nerving was written in 1820 you know mm-hmm. and and january 1st 2023 all of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes books enter mm. public domain. And you know so, those are going to be played with. You know oh, they are. They're they're probably scripts waiting oh, yeah. to pull the trigger for something oh, like that. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And I'm sure there's books too. I mean, not just like movie scripts, but I'm sure that there are books waiting in the wings. They're probably already written. Mm-hmm. And they're just waiting for that date to hit so they can start releasing them. Yep. And, you know, but again, you need to know that. Right. You need to do the research and find out what all your legal ramifications are, where your lines are before you, uh, before you put in all that, you know, all that work to write something that is, you know, is going to cause you headaches if you publish it. How do you categorize your research? How do you how do you keep it all together? Do you do it per mm. series? Do you do it per book? You know, like I, you know, I'm I have the dreaded notebooks that you know Tina and Danielle, uh, you know, the other hosts in our little mod mod quad here, uh, <laughs> mod pod. They hate because I have stacks and stacks of 
of, of notebooks with with notes and so forth in it. How do you do yours? Well, I do it per book. Uh, I don't, I, I as you know, I am a pantser. So I write by the seat of my pants. I have no outline or anything like that when I write. So I tend to do research as needed. Um, when I was writing Strictly Professional, my I decided to make my hero, uh, he was a former sniper. So I actually had to do research on his personality. What kind of personality does a sniper have? Like, what are some traits that they look for? for, you know, an army ranger sniper, um, and the, the training and everything that went into it. So, um, yeah, I just, I just kind of do, I, I wing it. Um, <laughs> sad to say, but I do, because again, I'm a, I'm a pantser. So I don't always know the type of research that I'm going to need for a book before I start a book. So it just is when it comes up, it's like, oh, well, um, yeah, I know that, uh, Things like the like the flipper flop thing that I was telling you about. I was actually watching some of the videos on YouTube and you know I started watching them as I was writing the story. Like I just started writing the story and I was like, Huh, he's in real estate. They're in real estate. Could this work? Can I make this work? <laughs> so I started watch and then I started the brain flipped and I started watching it more critically from a research, you know, with research eyes and ears. And I'm like, yeah, this will work. This will oh, work. Cool. So, so yeah, you just, uh, you know, things, but what, I mean, I know like with your one book condemned that I read, they, um, you did a lot of research with the Knights Templar. I did a lot of nice, a lot of research for the Knights Templar, a lot of research about Jerusalem and the the quarters, you know, the the Muslim quarter, the Jewish quarter, the Christian quarter, and you know, just all of the the different uh, uh, levels of history, like where the what was built when, what was what was destroyed when, and then the Jordan, you know, the Jordan Desert, and then the the city of Acre, which is you know, miles away from, from Jerusalem that where the Knights Templar had, had all of these underground tunnels and, and where they, they supposedly had a lot of artifacts that were now, you know, submerged. So there's, and then besides that, I mean, the, the, with all of these artifacts and ruins underwater, I had to research basically underwater archaeology, you know, so, cause it's mm. different than archaeology on the surface, you know, with oh, a little yeah. trowel and your brush and so forth. It was, it's different. So, but it's, it's like, how much detail do you put in the book? How much detail do you not put in the book? Yeah. You know, that's the other balance that you have to find is when yeah, you're- Cause you don't want to bog it down. It's like, it's like what Danielle and I were talking about last week with the- Devil in the info details. Dump. Well, yeah. with the info dump, you don't want to info dump, you know, spend an entire page talking about a desert, you know, unless you really need to know about that desert in order for it to move the plot along. So you right. have to balance it. I will also- take that a step further and say part of your research if you are changing locations you need to make sure you understand the distance between those locations uh years ago i read a story that had a pilot flying from the west coast to the east coast and then back to the west coast and like 
only six hours had passed. And I'm like, what? Okay, I've flown from Chicago to Vegas, and it was like a four hour flight. And you were going to like New York to, to like, I mean, it was on the West Coast. It was like Oregon or Washington or something like that. It's a five hour flight. And I'm like, one way. Yeah. Right. And I mean, supposedly they went. There's a time change. You know, you gain three hours when you go to the West from the East, but it's not enough to make it only six hours. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm just like, I, but it, but again, with, because the author didn't do the research, it pulled me out of the story because it made me go. What? What? (laughs) Wait a minute. Huh? So now I'm not focusing as a reader. I'm not focusing on the story. Or the the romance that's going on, the characters and their relationship. I'm 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 thinking. Wait a minute, huh? What? what how did how did this guy fly from, you know, all the way from one side of the country to the other and then back? You know, it was no. one of my paranormals that has a portal. <laughs> yeah, no, this was a contemporary romance, <laughs> so no, there was no supernatural powers going on here. But again, little again, little things like that, little details, really can make or break a story. Yeah, and- yeah, they can, they can, you know. And it's it's like a dance. Uh, that's how I look at it. It's like a dance. You know, you do yeah. your research. You have all of these amazing you know, kernels of information that are just going to add such flavor to your story. And, you know, and, and it's going to, it's just going to, it's going to make it make what you're right. Just kind of pop off the page and give it and give it validity. And, you know, because you're, because you've done this and, you know, and now you have to finesse the, the more intricate steps of this dance by putting just as much detail as is necessary mm-hmm. without overwhelming your reader yeah. but at the same time making sure you're getting it you're doing it correctly and that you don't drop the the your pace of your story and the thread of your plot at the same time mm-hmm. because it's very easy to go down the research rabbit hole <laughs> you know? oh yeah very yeah. Yeah, very, very. Well, I mean, even the research I did for, you know, the firefighting research I did, I probably only used maybe a quarter of all the information that I accumulated. Yep. But you need you want to have more information to pare down versus trying to, you know, materialize something out of nothing. I have started to use just recently started to use like a color coding system where Mm -hmm. I will color code in yellow when I have my notebooks of my research and my sheets and sheets and things that I printed off from, you know, from different, different websites and whatnot. Um, And even in the books, you know, I know I'm defiling the books by using a highlighter, but I'm highlighting what's important, what I feel Mm -hmm. is necessary for me to put in the book Mm -hmm. and the things that are a little less necessary that are more like flavorful, but at the same time, you know, might, might be a little too much detail, but you might, might want to pepper it in here and there. I put in pink, you know? Mm. And so it's like, I, I, at a, at a glance, when I'm looking at my notes, I can see what is necessary for me to put in there and what is not. Okay. So, so let's wrap things up with one more question here for both of us. What is the strangest thing that you've ever had to research? Oh God. 
the genealogies of Sleepy Hollow, New York, as in the legend of Sleepy Hollow and who mm-hmm. connects to who. And, you know, because like it's a small, it was a small place. It was a settlement, you know, during when the Dutch had occupation of New York, but everybody was kind of related to each other. And, and then how that history spilled over into when the British took over and we had the, we had Mm. the, the American revolution. So that was one of the hardest. I mean, it was talking about, we're talking about mind numbing genealogies, but you needed them because if I was, you know, because I wanted to do it correctly. Right. You know, exactly. And it would, and it, it creates a world for your, your characters. Um, And it pull, hopefully if it's done right, it pulls the reader in and makes them, it solidifies the world for them. Yep. Because it brings yep. in realism. Now, did um, I use everybody that was yeah. on that list of genie in the genealogy? No, but I needed to know who was it, how many generations certain things went back so that I could reference it properly. Exactly. So. Exactly. For me, uh, again, I don't do paranormal stuff. So for me, strange, unique uh, type of um, research was probably delving into the PTSD treatments um for um for brianna and my finding in a series um that was that was interesting because you don't it amazes me still that we don't really talk a whole lot about with all of the soldiers and stuff that have dealt with ptsd that we don't talk really a lot about the treatments and the exposure therapy specifically that um that is used for um for most people experiencing ptsd for treatment um but it's it, when you dive down that rabbit hole and start like reading about it and learning um how it works it yeah <laughs> it can it's, be very sad and disturbing it, oh it is it's very emotional when you start doing that and then applying it to your character or, you know, relating that and actually having, cause I'm very, I'm a very visceral writer. Like I, I just, I immerse myself when I'm writing a character in like how that character's feeling and what they're experiencing so that I can put that on the page. And so having to, when I was writing, you know, Brianna going through this exposure therapy, I was having to be in her shoes. Like I had to be in her head while she's doing this and it's very very deep. but again if i wouldn't have done the research and and found out about all that how, how that all that works and it wouldn't why be authentic it, it would not right. be authentic yeah right right and i and I, I you know i i think in a situation like you just described I mean, genealogies for me, it's like, it's like, yeah, if I get one, one of the, one of the Dutch settlers wrong, who's going to know, but with something like what you described, you have a responsibility to make sure that you portray it correctly, because otherwise Mm -hmm. you're doing a disservice to people who actually do suffer from PTSD. So that's where, you know, when you're doing your research and whatever you're writing, this is why Sherry and I are talking about doing it correctly, you know, and making sure that you're true to whatever it is that you're researching, because it not only will you be called on the carpet if you get it wrong, but with something like what Sherry was describing, it's important. You know, it's very yeah. important. Yeah, you so, I mean, you you don't know who in my particular case, um, 
I have got, again, I've gotten so many messages over the years about people who have been touched, um, who say they've seen themselves in Brianna or they've seen themselves in Stefan, um, or it's helping them move forward from a past trauma. Uh, I had one reader tell me that she's actually taken my series with her to her therapist. And when she's having problems and issues with articulating what she is feeling, she will sometimes be able to find in the story where Brianna is experiencing or feeling something similar. And she can read that to her therapist. And so they can communicate better, make a correlation. Right. Yeah. Right. So you, you, Doing the research, I guess, kind of what Mary and I are, Marianne and I are getting at is doing the research is worth it for a variety of reasons. Right. For it authenticity. So authenticity, right. you know, that maybe has a price tag to it with in terms of of mm-hmm. of how it can affect somebody who is suffering from from a form of mental illness and 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 needs needs to make sure that that they feel validated that you've done mm-hmm. your job as a as an author to get it correct but authenticity right. in terms of of whatever it is you're writing you know whether mm-hmm. it's authenticity in a recipe in a historic figure in a in a a, a time frame in mm-hmm. in a a lifestyle it doesn't you know to, it, you you have to make sure that you do right. your due diligence it is, and and that there are other ways of making sure you do your due diligence. If you're writing characters of, that are diverse, make sure you have your your sensitivity readers. You know to make sure, like you with your with your BDSM couple, that those are sensitivity readers. They're making sure that you're getting it correct. You know, and, and that you're doing their lifestyle justice. You know, so it's the same. It's the same all the way around. So, and I think oh. we've covered a lot. Yeah, I think that's a good place to stop for today. Although I will put this out here. Uh, if you're listening, uh, go to the description, the show description notes in uh, below this episode on whatever platform you're listening to. And um, tell us what, go to the website and tell us what uh, what your favorite research topic was. Because I think we've shared quite a bit of ours. So we'd yes. love to hear what your research topics are. What your favorite ones have been. But until next time, we will talk to you later. Have a happy week and a good week of writing. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. 